Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Oh, oh, yeah. Sometimes we laugh and sometimes we cry, but I guess you know now. Baby. Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Cruz Show. Live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Baby. Studios on 92.9 FM Back on the Gabe Cruz Show, 92.9 FM ESPN. We have some college football to talk about with fall camp starting around the country and we do have some realignment that we have to get to and uh, I thought there was no one better to bring on than host of national sports show Crane and Company at Jake Crane underscore he is Jake Crane Jake what's the word man man just excited uh, got a little Hall of Fame game tonight yes uh, that too real to me uh, <laughs> but no just excited man ready to get the season here you know most teams have reported Fall camps, uh, getting ready to rock and roll. It's a great time of year. So, uh, Kellen Mond redemption arc start tonight. What do we think? Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's the Kellen Mond Zach Wilson redemption arc. There we go. Yeah, uh, we're going to see no starters. I'm sure. Do we? Do we? Uh, any uh, handicapping advice on this game tonight? Man, listen, I took the under at 33 and a half. I'm a big preseason game under guy. Listen, let's run the ball. Let's just find out, you know, who, who can make the team on special teams. We're not trying to give anything away. Let's uh, give me a little 13-10 game. I'd love it. Yeah, and let's see who, Let's see uh, along the offensive line who can be your reserves. We inevitably run into those injuries uh, throughout the year. So let's see who can be those yeah, reserves. Yeah, a lot of down blocks. Find a swing combos. tackle. Yeah, you know, we're not we're not trying to get anybody back there past setting too much. You know, we can do that in uh in one-on-ones during practice. Man, but yeah, I mean, it's it's I'm I'm hyped up, man. I've been watching. I mean, I I was telling uh my uh producer Connor yesterday that uh I watched a Wisconsin game from I believe 2 or 3 years ago where they ran a uh a gadget play that uh, went for a touchdown. It was like a reverse, and I was trying to break down the, uh, I was trying to break down the schemes on air. So yeah, I, oh, I am, dude, I am, dude. I am missing ball. I need, I need some film to watch. Yes, I need some gap scheme in my life. I need some zone run in my life. <laughs> you know, I, I need some boots, some waggles. Let's give it all. I want to see everything for sure. Now, uh, before we get into that, um, right now the college football landscape. I, I would say the college athletics landscape is just like on its head because of Colorado destabilizing the Pac-12. Obviously, USC and UCLA did that before, but now we're talking about Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, potentially the Big 12. We're talking about 
uh, Washington and Oregon, if that were to happen, potentially the Big Ten, the ACC is is on shaky ground. What do you make of all this? This is nuts. It's nuts. Yeah, it's it's nuts, and, and who knows where we're going. You know, a lot of people think we're going to two super conferences down the road. I, I tend to think we're going to go to a power four structure. Right. But depending on who you root for and, and really what conference you're affiliated with, it kind of depends on – you know, that, that that dictates how you feel right now. I mean, if you're, you're the SEC or the Big Ten, obviously you're feeling great. You're the two main powers in the sport. But if you're the Pac-12 and the ACC right now, especially with what happened with Florida State yesterday with the president coming out, the board of trustees basically serving the divorce papers right. to the ACC, uh, the kids just got through high school, I'm ready to leave. Uh, and, and you look now at the Big 12, too. You know, we had left the Big 12 for dead. And what Brett Yormark's done over there, you know, I call it calculated aggression. I think he's done a fantastic job, not just with expansion, but look, with NIL, with the transfer portal, with conference realignment, the ever-changing stands of college football seems to never stop changing. I guess that's why you call it ever-changing. Yeah, and and with with Brett Yormark in the Big 12, I said it on Monday, and I don't know if I stand by this as much because, I mean, just looking at some of the moves that they may be able to make – um, it feels like they're going to be winning ultimately in the, in the future of, of college athletics and maybe even college football as well. But um, I said that they were just losing less than the Pac-12 on Monday. But I, I, what do you think about sort of the double-down thought process on basketball that, that, that Brett Yarmark wants to go for? If Arizona gets added to this conference, seemingly any national power conversation that has to do with at least the, the, the secondary – um, revenue-generating sport has to go through the Big 12. They have to be involved in those conversations. And I feel like that's part of the thought process that's going through the, the higher-ups there, the, the, the people at the top of the Big 12. Yeah, well, you know, obviously college basketball is the second biggest, you know, revenue generator um, of, of, you know, when you look at the major sports. Uh, baseball, you, you typically most places about break-even outside of the SEC. But if you're the Big 12 and you want to be the top dog, you're not going to be the top dog in football, especially after you lose Texas and Oklahoma. You got to give Even up on think, that dream. Yeah, you got to. You got to. Sometimes you just got to let her go, great white buffalo style. Right. Uh, but you can be the top dog in basketball, especially you add Arizona uh, to an already really good league. I mean, you got Kansas. We can go down the list. I mean, the Big Twelve is really a basketball league. You can make the argument they've been one of the best, if not the best, basketball league. Uh, for a while now in aggregate. So I think you kind of play to your strengths a little bit there. That's smart. But on the football aspect of it, you know, and and I call it conference reduction, not expansion, because that's where we're headed. But after losing Texas and Oklahoma, um, there's not as many big brands with great markets out there, right? So I think the ones that they went and snatched with UCF, big market brand that's building, right? Humongous school, Cincinnati, Big market, just made the playoff, even though I don't like the Satterfield hire. Yep. Houston, I, I, huge market, big brand that's building itself. And then BYU, you basically just got yourself a religion. So uh, with, the, <laughs> with the amount of dwindling brands out there, right now if you look at the ACC and the Pac-12, who are you going to go get? Yep. Like who, who blends the brand with the market? But I think it's smart leaning on basketball, play to your strength, it's the second biggest money maker, and I think that you know the March Madness is the best postseason tournament that there is. I don't mm-hmm. care what anybody says, but it's a smart play, uh, and it's the best money play. So I agree with that 100. percent Is it over with for the pack? I mean, completely over with. I, and, and honestly, uh, you could probably speak to this as well. I've I've no, I've spoken to it a whole lot since this has all happened. But they have no one to blame but themselves. No, look, and, and this goes back. It's not just one decision, right? 
it's multiple bad decisions that led up to this point. So, uh, and I don't think you can just blame it on Klykov. I, I, I think there's multiple people you can Larry blame Scott, it on. Larry Scott, you can go to back to the presidents, the yeah, chancellors. Go, yeah, oh, 100%. This is a team effort to sink this ship. And, you know, I don't like it, right? I, I mean, I don't want to see – I want college football to be as healthy as possible out on the West Coast, you know, Midwest, Northeast, Southeast, East Coast, all that stuff. Uh, but again, it's many bad decisions that have led to this point. And you weren't, if you were the Pac-12, you were never going to have a deal that could rival the SEC in the Big Ten because it's just not as loved out there, you know, as wholesome as it is here. Not that there's not spots where they don't love it as much as we do. I've recruited out there. But the way they've went about it is it's just bad, and now you're paying the price for it. So you're SEC country by trade. That's where you grew up. You grew up in Alabama. Like, what do you think about you? You think it'll be four super conference, uh, four super conference, four power conferences, if you will. I think that's what you said a little bit earlier. What do you think about that direction? What do you think about that direction for college football ultimately? Well, look, it, what I always say is that the on-the-field product is as good as it's ever been. And if that maintains the case, college football is going to be fine. Where I get worried about it isn't as much as, as the conference you know, realignment. Obviously, that's a big deal, but the on-the-field stuff is going to take care of that. What worries me is when we talk about you know, players being employees and letting the federal government be involved yep. in college football. I don't like that. I don't think it's a good structure. I, I'm of the habit of anything the government touches, uh, it ends up not going very well. So that's what worries me uh, the most when we start letting the politicians get involved. But unfortunately, doesn't that feel like the only direction we can go to sort of uh, deal with, with where we're headed in, in college sports, with NIL and everything else, all these restrictions that these potential conferences want? I mean, it feels like Congress is the only one that can step in because we have state laws right now prohibiting the NCAA. I mean, I think there's like four or five states that prohibit the NCAA from telling these states what to do. Well, here's what I think about it. Nobody's proposed this, and I don't know why. Uh, The NCAA and college football are are breaking away from each other, right? Thinking about doubling down on basketball, I think that's what you're going to see the NCAA do. Why would we not start? You're an organization, right, through college football. You can call it the commission, the council, whatever. Greg Sankey's the czar. And if you sign a letter of intent to play at one of these schools that is part of this organization and the players are not employees, right, you can still do NIL, name, image, and likeness deals. You can still do it through collectives. When you sign that letter of intent, okay, you have to abide by the rules of that organization. Why not let the people who run college football run college football? Why can we not break off and do that? We do that in all other realms of life, but now we act like Congress is the only people, uh, the only entity that can help anything when you let this monster out into the village without any rules, and now you want to piece it together. I mean, you're going to have so many – we've had Tommy Tuberville on. We've had Jim Jordan on. We've had all these people, and they're scared to death that there's going to be all these antitrust lawsuits and you're not going to be able to move. So I I think that cat's out of the bag. I mean, the bill they just proposed saying you have to stay three years at a school, the players aren't going to go for that. No, it should be a non-starter, ultimately. It really should. It is a non-starter. It is a non-starter. But at the end of the day, why can we not break it off? We already have a committee that selects the the playoff Mm -hmm. teams, right? This isn't some sort of brand-new Wizard of Oz situation. But to me, it makes the most sense, which is why they won't do it. Who who do you think would be at the top if if they were to break off – 
uh, and do Sankey. their own. Great, Greg Sankey, but who else? Like, who else would be on that board ultimately? Do you think? Well, I think what you, you want is at like least a commission, right? Like a commission, right? You'd have a czar, whatever you want to call him. I think that would be Greg Sankey because at the end of the day, he's the one who really pulls the strings. And I think you have the commissioners of those Power Four conferences on that board. So Tony Petiti, Brett Yormark. Uh, you know, whoever ends up, whatever merger takes place on that fourth one, whether it's the ACC merging with another conference, uh, and you still have your group of five conferences, and you make a big board with a czar, right? And then you can add some people on the periphery. I don't want the media people on there. I want the people right. who are a part of college football. Uh, and again, we already have a committee that makes decisions. You can add guys like Barry Alvarez and people, you know, kind of of that stature there as well that we know actually cares about the game of college football and the health of it. Mm -hmm. Now talking with Jake Crane from Crane and Company. Now instead of talking about the future of college football, let's talk about here and now. Uh, Auburn is a a, uh, a program that you're very close to. And today Hugh Freeze said that he's worried about where they're at right now because he's got a quarterback that didn't even participate in in spring and he's got to get him all caught up and he's got a lot of different transfers. Um, How worried should he be ultimately about trying to get that all figured out in fall camp? Yeah, well, Gabe, you know this. You you played the game. You understand it. The minute a coach comes out and says, yeah, we're where we need to be is the minute that they're screwed. Right. Uh, so you're always going to Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Coaches, you know, not complaining, but saying, hey, we're not there yet, or I'm worried about this, or we need to do that, because that sends a message to your team, you know, that, again, we have to continue to work. We have to continue to get better. But there is truth in that, right? Mm -hmm. Peyton Thorne didn't go through spring. He was running with the ones. You need that experience. You need that chemistry to build. And you're running out of time. Not that the team can't be good, but you you never know going into a year, even with experienced players, because every year is different. But you really don't know when you've had to use the transfer portal to patch together a team in year one. And it's smart. That's what every new coach is going to do because you're judged on year one at a place like Auburn. So, yeah, there is some concern there. But when I look at the roster, the way he flipped it, especially on the offensive yep. line where Auburn Huge. has really struggled, uh, th- that's how you bridge the gap. You can bring in all the receivers you want, all the DBs you want, and that's great. You need those guys. They're important. But you know as well as I do, I don't care if you run the triple option, the air raid, or some offense or defense that hadn't been invented yet. If you're not good up front, you're not going to win. No team that has been bad up front has won a national championship or competed at a high level. So I think that's a big deal. But on the other side of the ball, the pass rush is somewhat concerning. You did bring in Elijah McAllister and Jalen McLeod. You have some guys returning, Marcus Harris, a young kid, and, and the, the fault kid who I think is a future star. 
But you don't know until you know, and you don't have a ton of depth from a pass rush standpoint. And if you can't get off the field and third down, you can't win in this game. But, I mean, uh, for Hugh Freeze, I mean, chalk it up to the, the changing sort of style of college football and college athletics as a whole. He's hardly the only coach dealing with this right this second. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, every coach is dealing with the transfer portal right now, but you want to get to the point where you're developing high school talent and you plug the holes in the ship with the transfer portal. You don't build the ship out of the transfer portal. But when you're in what I call HGTV mode, when you've got to flip that house, you know, outside of those two weird twins that pretend like they're working, uh, you've got to go to the transfer portal and get guys because you want that year one momentum. I mean, look what they're doing in recruiting right now. You just flipped a, a five-star from Alabama. you got another five-star you just uh, flipped from Georgia. Uh, and there's a lot of recruiting momentum. You go out and go eight and four this year, that's a ton of positive momentum going into the next class and then the next class where you don't have to rely on the transfer portal. But – Again, it used to be you had three years, right? You get three recruiting cycles, three years to implement your culture, to show good progress, to convince everybody that you can do it. Well, now it's two in the Mm -hmm. arms race of college football with NIL being added and just the nature of the beast. So uh, Auburn, I think, has a really good chance to go eight and four. I think that'd be a great year. I think there's positive momentum in the fan base. And when Auburn gets aligned, you can win big there. We've seen that in the past. So I'm excited for the future. Heck, I'm, I'm just excited to see the kickoff tonight in the uh, Hall of Fame game. Right. But there's a lot of positive momentum on the planes right now. Speaking of uh, speaking of flipping rosters, what do you think about what's going down in Colorado? Right? What do you think of what do you think of what Prime's done with that roster? I am of the opinion, just because I've been in these conversations and I've I've been behind the scenes, I've peeled back the curtain. I think you should show more grace to 18 to 22 year olds than telling them to kick rocks. But at the same time, that Colorado program was one at 11, and Prime needs to make a, a splash immediately. Yeah, well, the best part about being one at 11 is if you win two games, you just doubled your win total <laughs> and you look like a genius. You know, I go back and forth on this, right? Because I, in one hand, yes, you obviously want to show you want to show grace to 18 to 22 year olds. They're, they're, they're young men. They're obviously, you know, you know, they're going through a very pivotal moment in their life. But I would love for my coach just to be honest with me like that. I don't want – there's so many coaches that go in there and say, oh, yeah, man, you've got a great chance to start. You don't need to leave. You don't need to go into the transfer portal, even though it may be the right time for you to go in there to be able to go to another place and go through spring practice and go through summer workouts and, and be ready for fall camp because that coach wants to maintain depth. Uh, but I would almost rather a guy come in and say, listen, you probably need to transfer because you're not going to play. Right. I'm not going to sit here and beat around the bush. So I think there is some positives to it. And listen, the, the, it's NIL now. You're, this is the business. I think sometimes it's the best thing you can do for him is not to sit there and, and you, okay, you want to play the game. You complain that you weren't getting paid for your name, image, and likeness or what you're bringing to the table on top of the scholarship that you're getting. Well, now you're in the business. And there's yep. two sides of getting in the business. So I think in some parts it can be a good thing. My man Carl Reed over at 247 says it best. He said you can't be treated like a kid in a grown man's business. That, that's yeah, what that's this exactly is now. Right. You, wanted to, you wanted to dance? Well, let's dance. Right. No question. Now, um, you were at SEC Media Days. How did you vote the West? I'm curious about this. With Alabama, LSU, who do you think is going to be at the top of the West? Well, the question I ask myself, and and there's a lot of things that go on, right? You you look at scheduling and and who's going where, but where where did LSU get worse at? Like, that's the part I don't understand. 
Yeah, yeah, you could say maybe uh, a pass rusher losing yeah. Ali Gay with Ojolari. But I'm going to tell you what I don't worry about with LSU. Athleticism off the edge. That's one of the things I don't worry about when it comes to LSU. They're as talented and freaky as anybody out there. And they've got some absolute Avengers coming back this year, including Mason Smith, who I think is a generational yes. guy, even though he does play in the interior. Uh, but Harold Perkins is going to be an exciting player, too. As yeah, well. Harold, yeah, Harold Harold Perkins is basically Oppenheimer. I mean, it's so explosive, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh, but but when I look at LSU, where did they get worse at? Like, here's the, here's the trap I think people fall for. You know, Nick Saban has won 10 games or more for 15 straight years. Absolutely incredible. So people are very hesitant, especially when he's getting slept on. That's why – and there's a lot of media members from Alabama that go to that thing. You know that. They voted for Bama to win the West. I'm just wondering – how you don't vote LSU to win the West after they won it last year. They returned four or five offensive linemen, including two NFL tackles. They're mm-hmm. really good at the skill position. They've got two very, very capable quarterbacks, and they finally have consistency because they have structure with Brian Kelly. So the way I voted it right now, and, and I typically don't make my predictions till the end of fall camp, but we had to vote. So I voted LSU one. I voted Bama two. Yep. I voted Auburn three. I think Auburn's going to go eight and four. I think you're going to have a tie for third uh, and have to go to a tiebreaker. I went Arkansas four, Ole Miss five, uh, Mississippi State um, uh, six. And really, because here's my thing, Gay. Here's my thing. I think it's going to be a jumble in the middle. I think it's Mm going to be absolute cannibalism past those first two spots. And I don't think it'd be crazy to sit here and say that Alabama – could possibly go nine and three this year. So right. I think the West is as wide open as it's been since I can remember. Yeah, it, it, Alabama. How worried are you about the quarterback situation? Because like the writing's on the wall here. Like you have a new OC. Uh, they had to bring in Tyler Buckner in the off season just to see what they could do because they they weren't getting what they wanted out of Milrow or Ty Simpson. Like how worried are you about that quarterback situation and that team ultimately? Well, this is the the shakiest I think Alabama has been going into a into uh, a season since I can remember, and it's for multiple reasons. When's the last time that Alabama had to replace a quarterback and a left tackle in the same year? It's like, a long it's time. Things like that at symbiotic places, you don't see that because Nick Saban is an absolute witch when it comes to roster management, which we don't talk about enough in college football. It's a huge deal. It's one of the biggest pieces of the pie with recruiting and culture. Uh, but when I look at Alabama, go- it's a lot of things at once. You have three quarterbacks, right, that, that all bring pretty much different skill sets. You bring in Tommy Reese because you want to go back to that old Nick Saban style of lining up, running yep. the ball, play action, 12 personnel, bully ball is what I call it. Well, when they were running bully ball and they could just line up and be better than everybody else, it worked great, right? They had a monopoly on offensive linemen in depth. Well, now they're not the final boss at the video in the video game anymore uh, up front. You have teams in the SEC that are better than Alabama up front, yep. and they can't just line up, give you the middle finger, and go beat you by, by three touchdowns. So if you're going to go back to bully ball with an offensive line that somewhat struggled the past two years, uh, Chris Marler came on our show today. Alabama was one of the worst teams in the country last year of contact behind the line of scrimmage. So you mean to tell me you're going to have an inexperienced quarterback with a run game that's shaky that you're going to try and lean on when you don't have a great passer in that group? We still have to see with Ty Simpson, but he has no experience. And you're going to play in the SEC and you're going to play Texas 
week two at home, who I think has a chance to be really good. I'm just telling you, man, it smells funny a little bit. How, how much, though, last year from that running game perspective, like how much do you blame that on Bill O'Brien? Like, and I know I know where he's off to. He's with the Patriots now, and he's he's been a good offensive coordinator just about his entire life, ultimately. But you bring in Tommy Reese, um, and I, I think last year with Bill O'Brien, they were top 20 in yards per carry, but they were, uh, I think, only top 95, top 100, like right there by 100 when it came to actually running the ball, like uh, per game, attempts per game. I feel like Bill O'Brien sort of uh, uh, screwed up that run game in a lot of ways, and we don't really talk about it as much as we should. Well, another person that I think, and people say, whoa, how can you say that? I think Bryce Young's at fault a little bit. They Mm -hmm. ran a ton of RPOs last year. He kept the ball a ton. Like, everybody talks, why aren't you running the ball? Why aren't you running the ball? Well, when I call an RPO-style play and I give the quarterback options and he should have handed the ball off, but he kept it and tried to pass the ball, well, maybe it's my fault for giving him that option. But what are you going to do? Not let Bryce Young manage the game, who's, who, in my opinion, is a very cerebral guy, but at the end of the day, he wanted to be the one that affected the outcome. And in some games it worked and some games it didn't work. So I think there's a little bit of fault that, that people don't see when, hey, the box says run it, the movement says run it, but you keep it and try and throw it into double coverage. I think it was a mix of those two. Now, people throw this back in my face because they don't like to think of uh, Nick Saban in any copycat conversations, but do you think he's transitioning back to this style of ball because of what he's seen Georgia do the past two years? Look, I, I think – I think there's multiple reasons that he's doing it. I, I think one of the reasons he's doing it is protect his defense a little bit because mm-hmm. it seemed like Alabama's defense was out in the field a ton uh, because they were doing a little bit too much offensively, time of possession, right, trying to limit the amount of snaps that your defense is on the field. How do you do that? Well, you do that by slowing the game down a little bit. You do that by running the ball a little bit more. I think that adds something to do with it. I think the attitude the attitude, the physical attitude of Bama. You remember when Bama used to play Bama? You were like, oh, my gosh. Yep. we got to play these monsters that are just going to bury us and they're going to turn it into a fist fight. I mean, I, I remember, why do you think Brian Kelly's at LSU? He was in the tunnel with Notre Dame in that national championship, but he looked across there and they struck the fear of God in him up front. Yep. I think Nick Saban wants to get back to that, we're the big dogs, we're the ones that are going to push you around, that intimidation factor, which kind of bleeds throughout the whole program and affects the defense. So I think there's multiple reasons. And, yeah, I mean, you look at what George has done. It's their version of bully ball. They look like an old-school Alabama. So that probably has something to do with it. But I think Nick Saban's tired of getting pushed around. Mm-hmm. Georgia three-peat on the way? Man, I don't think so. Okay. I, I haven't I – haven't, uh, I'm going to drop my uh, – who I think is going to win the natty here uh, closer to the end of fall camp. Okay. I'm going to see who gets hurt. There's always somebody. But – uh, I'll tell you, I do not think Georgia three-peats. Know who, know who really catches my eye, just considering how many guys they have returning is Michigan. And defensive oh, side of the ball is okay. great. Michigan Michigan uh, gets me going. I'll tell you, you that. Figured out blue. You may have just figured out Blue's clues. Yeah. I talked to uh, – I talked to a scout uh, at SEC Media Days that says that said they could have seven offensive linemen drafted off this team. It's insane. It's insane. And they're like they they could have had a couple of guys drafted this year. Then they decided to come back because of the NIL, the influx of NIL money they brought back I'm or did use to try you. to bring back those guys. Like they're 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 dangerous. They're they're very very dangerous. I, I'm telling you, watch out for Texas too. 
Watch out for Texas. Yeah, I know you're. Uh, I know you're. Uh, one of your co-hosts, David Cohn, probably is happy about uh, what, what Michigan's well, looking like. Well, he doesn't like want anybody year. to talk about it. Yeah, he's like quarterback at Michigan. Like he's like, don't talk about it, don't say it. You know, Tim Brando came on our show and picked Michigan to win the whole thing, and Cohn was like, he was happy, but he's like, man, I just wish everybody would stop saying it. He was like, let's just <laughs> let's next practice, next right. rep. Right? You know, just everybody stop talking about it. Now, last couple of things for Jake Crane from Crane and Company. Who do you like out of the group of five this year to be the New Year's Six, uh, New Year's Six Bowl uh, representative? Like, what, who, who in the group of five do you think is going to press for that? Man, there's two teams I'm really looking at. UTSA uh, is one of them. I tell you what, don't sleep on that UTSA-Tennessee game either. Frank yep. Clark and what Jeff Trailer's doing, uh, they're scary, and they return some really, really good skill position guys as well. They're not bad up front. And then Tulane. I know they lost Ty J at running back. Uh, they lost their best defensive player at linebacker, but they return a ton of guys, including Pratt at quarterback, uh, Michael Pratt, who I'm, I'm really big on. Uh, I like his game. I like the way it translates. And Willie Fritz, you know, we played him when he was at Georgia Southern. I was South Alabama. I mean, and they beat us like we stole something from him. I got a lot of respect for Coach Fritz. So Tulane uh, and UTSA. And then my guy, Will Hall, out at Southern Miss. But the thing about Southern Miss is their schedule, man, it's like it's like the end of casino when Joe Pesci and them are out in the cornfield. You're just getting hit with baseball bats. <laughs> Yeah. Now, so so being in Memphis, this is a question that all, always comes up. You bring up Tulane and UTSA at the top of the group of five. Even with the AAC losing Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF, do you think the AAC is at the top of the group of five, or would you would you give that to a, a different conference going into this year? Man, I'm a Sun Belt guy. You know okay. that. But yep. I'm also a big Micah Rasco guy. I think he uh-huh. is an absolute star. Uh, I think he will be running an even bigger league here soon. And who knows? The AAC, the way the ACC is going, they may just flip the middle letter and turn it into an A, and that may be the next Power Five conference when you look at it. But, uh, no, I, I do think the AAC, that, that's what I would say right now, but I think it's going to be a heck of a showdown between them, the Sun Belt, and the Mountain West. Yeah, we're going to have to see. We're going to have to see. And, by the way, what do you think about a Mountain West uh, Pac-12 merger of sorts? Now, I, I mean, uh, again, going back to what we said earlier, you're running out of brands to pull from. Right. Uh, I think that that's, that's the obvious answer. It's, it's funny. You know, we have live calls on our show, and we had a Boise State fan call in, and he's like, you know, man, it's the craziest thing because all my life I just wish Boise State would join the Pac-12, and now if they called, we're almost like, yeah, just let us think about it. But uh, uh, I, think, I think a merger with the Mountain West is probably where we're heading. Um, yeah, with because I think Oregon and Washington are gone. I think Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah are gone, which means the conference is gone, right? And uh, you're going to have to find a way. Probably a merger is the best way to do it. You bring the media rights deal together, try and build some form of the Mega Ranger out there. When we talk about, and this is last thing for Jake Crane from Crane and Company, when we talk about national championship contenders, we talk about SEC and Big Ten all the time. Um, usually when you get outside of that, it's Clemson. Clemson is the team that we point to. Uh, most directly is there anybody outside of just sort of the usual suspects that you think could press and potentially uh and potentially maybe be like the tcu of last year and uh and get themselves into the college football playoff give themselves a chance at a national championship but did you throw the big 10 in there too or did yeah you I, threw the big, I threw the big 10 as the usual yeah. suspects um I, you know outside of that uh you know texas is such a big brand i feel like that's kind of a cop-out it's um, fair though, you know, because I mean they they have not reached expectations in quite a while. That's that's true. That's true. But it is Texas. The, the greatest irony in this is as the Pac-12 is dissolving, they may end up having the second best conference from top to bottom uh, at the end of the season. Right. What's returning out there? But they're all going to cannibalize themselves. I, I will give you a team, two teams. 
all right? And one of them is in the Big Ten to watch out for. Wisconsin, mm-hmm. you look at that schedule. They get Ohio State at home. They don't play Michigan. The non-conference isn't too bad. You bring in Phil Longo, Tanner Mordecai. I'm really high on the quarterback transfer from SMU. He's got a lot of witch in him. But watch out for Texas Tech and Joey McGuire. Really? Uh, I'm just telling okay. you. Tyler Shuck, nobody's talking about them. They're unbelievably fast. I am worried about their depth defensively, especially against the run. But, you know, Kansas State's an easy answer with how physical they are. And Will Howard, even though they did lose Deuce Vaughn, uh, they've got a bunch of really good players returning, especially up front. But Texas Tech and Wisconsin, they're just hanging out. And here's a little sneaky team from the Pac-12. Watch out for Oregon State. And DJU's yep. not guaranteed to start. He may yeah, – I'm not big on DJU, but they have a top five offensive line in the country. You 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 brought up two guys though that get the most out of out of a very little, and Jonathan Smith at Oregon State and Chris Kleiman at Kansas State. Like those guys, I have oh, so yeah. much respect for. Oh, without a doubt, with that physicality, right? Yep. That it's that's what it comes down to. Kansas State is one of the most physical teams in the country. Mm-hmm. Now, Florida State. Last thing, Florida State. Florida State. Sorry, I know I've done a million different last things here. No, you're good. But Florida State, they brought in Jaheim Bell, Keon Coleman, still have Johnny Wilson there. They they have a very experienced quarterback and Jordan Travis, defensive side of the ball looks I mean, Jared Verse, Fabian Lovett, they have some dudes on that side. Um, are they going to be able to sort of dethrone Clemson atop the ACC? Here's where I met with Florida State. I love what they have. I love them getting Jaheim Bell and Keon Coleman, as you mentioned in the transfer portal. Jordan Travis, phenomenal player. Johnny Wilson is an absolute giraffe running around out there. I do like what they have on defense, but I don't think they beat LSU. Okay. And if they lose to LSU, they're going to have to run the table. Yep. And that probably means you have to beat Clemson twice including one time at Clemson, a two-loss ACC champion, unless there is just chaos across the board outside of it, is not getting into the playoff. I think Florida State could have a top-five team in the country but be number five. And at least this year, for this last year, you don't get invited to the party if you're number five. No question. No question. But, Jake, appreciate the heck out of it. Let's do it again soon. Dude, anytime, bro. You know I love coming on and chopping it up with you. Absolutely. That is Jake Crane on X at Jake Crane underscore, host of national sports show Crane and Company. Um, great stuff from him. And this is a guy who's been around football for a long time, player, coach. His dad coached at Auburn for nine years. I mean, he, he is an encyclopedia of college football knowledge. But we have to go ahead and transition, and we'll go to the Blitz. That will be next right here on the Gabe Kuncho, 92.9 FM ESPN. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.